Chapter Eight of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: That Indian Thief. A small log cabin, a lonely man, a dog, and something else. What was the something else? That was what Alexander Ross did not know, and that was why he was frightened it was the winter of eighteen eleven twelve the very winter after astoria was founded and it happened in this way after the americans had finished building or nearly finished fort astoria in the summer of eighteen eleven they decided to build a new post on the upper columbia somewhere just where nobody knew none of them had ever been there but a rival company the northwest company of montreal had come across the mountains and built a fort somewhere on the upper columbia in july of that year therefore the canoes were made ready for the men going up the river to found the new post the clerks and partners did not know what sort of a voyage to expect and some of them came to the river bank as though going on a picnic one had a cloak and another his umbrella others had books and papers intending to read pleasantly as the canoemen paddled them up the beautiful river the sun was bright and the weather serene off they started in two chinook canoes each holding from fifteen to twenty packs of trading goods besides flour rice and other food and tobacco each pack weighed ninety pounds in the american party there were only nine besides indian canoemen a third canoe was filled with men of the northwest company who had come down to the mouth of the river when they heard white men were there alexander ross was one of the clerks and he tells the story going up that river did not prove to be a picnic troubles began at once the wind rose suddenly and so did the waves when they reached tongue point they had to unload the canoes and drag them across the portage there when the wind died down a little they started off again but a second time the wind arose and on rounding a point a few miles above the waves drove them into a sandbank there they stuck while water half filled the canoes soaking everything down came sail mast and rigging about our ears wrote ross books and newspapers went to the bottom umbrellas and cloaks were thrown aside every man had to help empty the half-swamped canoes and drag them into deep water again as soon as they could get ashore they built campfires dried their goods and their clothing spent the night there and started afresh the next morning but it was hard work all the way up the river and they went up hundreds of miles above the willamette where the current was swift they had to keep close in shore and drag the canoes from point to point by the bushes and overhanging trees at the cascades they had to make a portage or a carry as well as at the dales and again at salilo falls because at these places the river was so swift and so rough they could not go upstream and they had to unload their canoes carry the goods overland and the canoes as well at these portages in a land of thievish indians who tried constantly to steal small parcels of goods which they would rip out of the bales after the astorians had passed through the gorge of the columbia where the mountains seemed to have been split apart to let the river roll through they found that they had left the forest behind them this new country east of the cascade mountains was one of wide rolling treeless brown hills 
except as they bartered with the indians it was hard to get wood enough to cook their food and the august sun was hot in this land of sand and sagebrush after six weeks of paddling up the river they reached the okanagan a pleasant river flowing into the columbia from the north and here the partner mr stewart built his fort his men cut down the cottonwood trees which bordered the okanagan for this log cabin fort there were no trees along the columbia other logs were pulled from driftwood in a bend of the columbia nearby the moment they landed and began their log cabin indians came about them all talking was done by signs mr stewart and mr ross opened a bale of tobacco and indians and white men together had a grand smoke the traders opened also their bales of goods and said by signs that these paints and cottons and blankets and kettles would be given in exchange for furs the okanagan indians sent runners to other tribes and soon throngs of indians came and set up their tepees there staying for several weeks and holding endless councils by the time the visiting indians went home some furs had been traded and a start made on business the cabin was almost finished so mr stewart sent four men back to astoria to tell that all was well he took three more with him and went north with trading goods alexander ross was left alone with his little spanish terrier weasel in the unfinished log cabin for fort okanagan was not really a fort at all for several years it was nothing more than a log cabin sixteen feet wide and twenty feet long ross tells all about that winter although the indians were friendly he was a little afraid of them and he was lonely but it was a land of bright sunshine of clear blue skies even if it was also a land of snow and cold ross liked that and he liked to look out on the two great rivers rushing by until winter came and they froze over first he patched up the house a bit so he says in the daytime he traded with the slow never hurrying indians and that took much time they were shrewd traders too and knew exactly what they wanted they asked for guns with which to shoot their enemies as well as to hunt kettles in which to boil water looking-glasses yellow and red paint for their faces and for knives and blankets the squaws wanted beads and thimbles calicoes and many other things but the indians were kindly enough to leave the fort at sundown and go to their own tepees ross then locked the door and tried to write down the indian words he had learned during the day and in the loneliness of that winter he says the bible was a great comfort to him but the nights were truly awful all indians are constantly in fear of some enemy creeping up on them in the night the okanagans were always possessed with this fear so that if one of them heard the slightest sound in the night he would give the war-hoop others would quickly awaken and begin to yell and whoop yet there never was an enemy there ross never knew whether these nearby indians were being attacked or not he only heard the racket but the uproar frightened him awake and he expected every moment to see his door battered in his hair grew gray he says because of his fears then came that something else one night when everything was quiet ross was awakened by weasel's furious barking the excited dog was dancing about on the cabin floor and racing up and down ross was certain that an indian thief was in his cabin 
but he lay perfectly still for a few moments trying to think what to do if he remained quiet every indian knew where his bunk was and that would not save him he thought of several plans he could take the ramrod of his gun which he had in his bunk and poke up the fire which was not far away yet if he stirred the hot ashes into a glow the indian would see him or he could fire into the dark but he did not want to do that at last he reached out and stirred the fire it blazed up a little and he saw no one was there but weasel was racing back and forth over a small trap-door barking furiously ross understood at once some indian had found out about a little secret cellar he had made under the cabin and was hiding there ross at once lit a candle and set it where the light would shine into the cellar then he took a pistol in one hand and with the other cautiously lifted the trap-door something was there something dark was sitting on a bale of tobacco ross fired in another moment he knew it was no indian it was a skunk but that was only the beginning the indians had been awakened by weasel's barking then they saw the light and heard the shot something was happening to their friend the white man they rushed to his cabin broke down the door and poured into the little room there in the flickering candlelight stood ross with his smoking pistol and at his feet the yelping excited dog they knew at once of course that he had shot a skunk but being indians they didn't mind that the serious thing was that they saw the secret cellar with the bales of coveted tobacco and trading goods ross understood the mischief of that but things quieted down after a while and the indians went back to their tepees after that night the indians began to be a little unfriendly they would not hunt for furs strange indians came about the fort and set up their tepees there long councils were held day after day while the old friendly indians became very shy that was a bad sign ross understood the whole thing perfectly they were plotting to get rid of him ross did at once the only safe thing to do he called a council of the chiefs they came in their paint and feathers and squatted solemnly on their heels in a half circle first they smoked the ceremonial pipe then ross talked to them partly in their own tongue mr stewart when he left in october had expected to return in one moon four and five moons had gone by yet he had not returned ross explained that this was because there were so many furs in the north country that mr stewart had gone back to the white man's country by the bitter waters fort astoria near the ocean for more trading goods yet ross did not really know he was himself afraid that mr stewart had been killed in the north the indians waited sure enough when spring came down from the north came mr stewart loaded with furs he had been snowed in all winter two hundred miles north of fort okanagan mr stewart had many furs ross brought out his he had bought that lonely winter fifteen hundred beaver skins besides other pelts they locked up their log cabin fort and told the indians to take good care of it until they returned in the summer so in the bright may sunshine of eighteen twelve with the light breeze blowing they stepped into their canoes loaded with furs and paddled down the columbia to astoria several years after when another fort had to be built the fur traders changed the location 
they built also a stockaded wall of spiked logs inside of which were several houses when the gates were locked the indians could not enter but they were always friendly they never did attack the fort End of chapter 8